0: Hello, everyone. This is Tommy at World of War Comics, and thanks for joining us again for another amazing podcast. But before we get into this podcast, if you could please give us a like, if you could uh, subscribe, and obviously if you could share the content, that really helps us out and allows us to bring you a lot more amazing um, interviews. Um, also, remember Cien Chili's is our official sponsor of. World at War Comics podcast. If you go to cienchilies.com and you place an order on hot sauces, which are the best hot sauces you'll ever have, and you use comics at checkout, you will save 15% off your total order. That's cienchilies, C I E N C H I L E S.com. All right. Without further ado, our next guest is Nigel Lynch. Um, He is the writer and creator of Diary of the Stray Dogs, and an upcoming new title called Critical Ops Task Force by Wiseacre Comics. Um, So without further ado, here is my interview with Nigel. I think you're going to really like it. He's an amazing writer and creator, and uh, he will not disappoint. Thanks, everyone, and talk soon. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the World at War Comics podcast. My next guest is the one and only Nigel Lynch. Nigel, thank you for joining me, man. Super excited to talk to you. Um, I got a, uh, well, first you sent me Diary of a Stray Dog, which I was super excited about. And then I found out about a new title that's up and coming. And uh, you gave me a sneak peek of that too. But we'll save that for right now um, because uh, I want to really get to know you a little bit better and, and how you got into that passion of comics. But before then, how are you doing? How's things going with you, Nigel?
1: I'm pretty, a little tired. I had a convention this weekend. Um, it's nice. a local convention we have here in Barbados called Anime Con, And nice. it was like a grueling tent, uh, two days on your feet, talking to people and that kind of stuff. So it's in a little bit of a recovery mode right now. But yeah. uh, I'm pretty good otherwise.
0: <laughs> That's good. That, I'm hoping it was successful. You got your uh, your titles out to everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. uh, It was great to kind of interact with people, tell them about future endeavors, what's coming. People were impressed by the books, the print quality and that kind of stuff.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations. Glad you had a great con. Cons are very important uh, to get in front of people. So that's pretty cool, man. Very good. Very Mm -hmm. good. So let's just jump into it, Nigel. I mean, um, when did this passion for comic books start in your life? Did it start early on or is it something
1: a little bit newer for you? Well, it started very early in my life. Um, I can actually remember the first comic book I ever read. I would have been around four years old. Um, It was a Uh, Spider-Man. I actually went back and looked up what the number was. It was Spider-Man 222. I can remember it because it was um, Spider-Man and it may have been the first appearance of Speed Demon, Mm -hmm. but it was Spider-Man and Speed Demon. And when I was a child, my parents always tried to encourage me to read but yeah. being back in that time they didn't see comics as reading yeah. so it was almost like comics was like a toy but yeah. this was before we had like video games and we had cell phones and stuff so you had more everybody was into comic books yeah. you didn't go by anybody's house and it didn't have a comic book <laughs> on the coffee table or whatever so I was always into comic books but mm-hmm. I'm from Barbados so the, little, the difference was if I read a comic book today I may not get to read what the second part was until maybe months later. I may yeah. read the next one that was before it, but you kind of held all these things in your mind and you kind of pieced together the story. So I always love comic books. I love art. I love drawing. And it always had a special place for me. So as I, if you fast forward now, I also have family from the UK. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with UK now back in the 80s, Marvel from the US and Marvel from the UK were two separate entities. Mm. So when I was a little older, my family sent me their older comic books and their comic books were done in a way where they would compile three stories from all the issues of Marvel, which would be Iron Man, Spider-Man and Thor. Mm. They wouldn't have any colors and it would be slightly bigger. It would be like a, almost like an oversized issue, mm. like a magazine. Yeah. So I got them and that kind of filled me in with the backstory of a lot of stuff because it was a lot of older stories and again this is before you had the internet and you could research stuff so these yeah. things kind of helped fill me in with the lore and we we as a people and friends would talk about comic books we would talk about what we read somebody would sit down and tell you about a comic book with such great detail yeah. you felt as though you read it yourself you know, <laughs> right? that's so, cool so so going up and going up but somewhere along the lines in my teens um although I was very black, much into art and they dabbled with trying to do you those scribbles and stuff comic books i stepped away from it oh. so i stepped away from it you had other things come into my life uh video games different things mm-hmm. but i came back around the time of civil war and yeah. the ultimates was around yeah. and i remember. Going into a comic shop and somebody trying to explain to me what the Ultimate Universe was, and I was like, (laughs) "What?" (laughs) Because I left with one universe, and this guy's telling me, "No, no, no, this is the end." But then you know, and then by that time, the movies was coming in and stuff like that. But I always had a dream to create a comic book, yeah. And I kind of gave up on it in terms of me drawing it. Uh and it wasn't I never saw myself as a writer because I always thought I was writing with something where it was more pen to paper grammar, that kind of stuff but I was always a storyteller Uh because again, being a child of the 80s when you watched a TV show, you watched a movie that your friends couldn't watch you had to then turn around and retell it to them with such mm. great detail and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then also too, um, because we didn't have the video games, even video games of our time, you still had to put a certain level of imagination because the graphics wasn't that good. The yeah. game so you had to kind of you had to kind of embellish it a little bit, you know. So, sure. so these things kinda you of, always had that imagination, that yeah. sense of storytelling. Uh games was be simple, but you kinda of expanded the story in your mind. Um you watch TV shows and then you play, you play games with your with your Lego pieces and stuff. You would play these, these shows you watch. You play Star Wars. You play Star Trek even before they had Lego Star Wars. Yeah, mean Lego with, you know stuff like that. So I always was into storytelling, and I wasn't really good at writing. Yeah, or English. And I remember just wanted saying I will try to and I pushed myself and I wrote on. Chicken scratch on a book, bad grammar, and I then turned me, gave it to my wife, and she then edited it and typed it up for me, and that's how I started. Mm. And in the early, in the beginning too, I didn't know anything about writing a comic script. Yeah, uh, I just thought you wrote a short story, you gave it to somebody, and they chopped it up and they did that. Mm-hmm. So when I approached the artist, he was like uh the one artist that would I kind of knew he said well no you gotta kind of write a script and luckily for me I kind of found the script online because mm-hmm. it wasn't as widespread as it is now but I found yeah. one followed that format and that's where I started and as throughout the years I've been able to type for myself edit for myself mm-hmm. um with the advance of technology moving forward because Spell checks and the different things have kind of all gone. There's this text to speak, to listen to the, your story. There's so much things have gone. Yeah. You can do things a little more for yourself. Yeah. So fast forward, um, I did wrote my first book in 2007. Mm. And from then, so 17 years ago, every year I publish one comic book a year at least.
0: Wow. Wow, that's amazing.
1: So, yeah. So I've probably worked on over 20 titles.
0: That's incredible. Well, I'm only aware of the two, man. I need to dig in. Nigel. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. Well, these two are pretty. Well, old, I, man. I, I, see, it's, it's funny. So as as much as you, when you grow, so as I said, I'm from Barbados, and I would have done a lot of stuff here. And yeah. so I have, I have, I have like audio awards, I have angel awards, and different things like that. But then somewhere along the line, when I was introduced to social media, I realized it was a Bigger world out there with independent comics.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's almost like I have to start over. So mm. these books that I'm doing now, even though I have 17 years of experience and I have over 20 books, it's almost like starting over fresh. This is my yeah. book once again because I'm now in a new environment with new people, new players. I've yeah. established myself again. So, but at least with experience, you can build on it so you don't lose what you have. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Well, are either of these two stories a story that you had already published a while ago, and then you're reintroducing them? Or are these brand new um, stories that you created recently?
1: Okay. So funny you should say that. Um, <laughs> the Diary of the Stray Dolls concept was oh. literally the first book I ever came up with seventeen years ago.
0: Oh wow! It was the
1: first book I ever did, but it was never published. Mm-hmm. It we had a we did some work on it it was supposed to be for part of an anthology and we kind of shelved it mm-hmm. but what it was was it was just basically a scene because when i went back to it again the characters are different the settings are different but yeah. i just kind of took the name and built off of it so um i, I wanted like to pay homage to it but mm-hmm. it's a it's a little different so where, when I when I when I started back, my head was in a different place. I had a different set of experience. Came off of writing a bunch of different books, so I was kind of happy that I did I did that now yeah. versus then, mm-hmm. because now I could actually produce a better book. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so they're kinda, it's kind of it's kind of old concept, but it's really a reboot and it's something Yeah, well,
0: that's pretty cool though. That's pretty cool. So now I assume right that passion for writing is there because you're pretty good at it. When did did you, so I know you went in 2007, you started creating comic books. When did you say, look, I could do this and now it became more enjoyable to write? Because you had made a comment earlier that writing wasn't something that you were really interested in, but then obviously something switched because you got really good at it, Nigel. It's,
1: for me, I think it is the joy of creation.
0: Yeah. Creating
1: the stuff. So I always tell people, right, the way how comic books and creating a comic book is: if you do not enjoy it, mm-hmm. if you don't find it as fun.
0: Yeah,
1: it's gonna beat you. It's not, you know, don't do this if you don't enjoy it. If you don't like it, yeah. um, because it, it can. There's so many things that are around the corner to be a pitfall. From yeah. you know I me, mean? anything bad that could happen could happen. Yeah, you know, you could lose use files, you can get artists flake on you, you yeah. can <laughs> get deals that fall out. There's there's, yeah. there's so many things that could go <laughs> wrong that if you don't if you don't love it, um yeah. for me, what happened with the writing and it still is a issue is you become more and more confident as you go forward. Yeah. So as I said in the beginning, um so I, I have dyslexia. So basically I had no interest in school. To do with any form of subject that had to do with writing, so I did mm. more subjects with my hands, yeah. more stuff with technical stuff. So I work in architecture, so I, I draw. Uh-huh. Um, but the writing has pushed me to develop that side and embrace the dyslexia too. To know you will make mistakes, you do mm. have flaws, but yeah. push forward. Um, also, going forward to you still have things like um, imposter syndrome. So like, yeah. as much as you say, well, this book is great. Well, you're so very nervous. You're so very, yeah. Well, will this come off? Will they accept it? Will you like it? If you, um, every time, if you go like, if you have a falling out with, like I said, editor or something, you're kind of like questioning, well, am I right? Did, did I make the right choice? You know, but at the end of the day, for me, what makes it all worthwhile is when you get a fan that says, I love this work. Yeah. Fan art, or you get somebody who sits down and discusses the book with you and takes it so seriously or deeply <laughs> and, you know, it kind of that is that is what you're aiming for. When you get someone to sit down and ask and tell you things about your character that they <laughs> deem or what they think. Yeah. That's when you, those are the things that push you forward. But yeah it, you have to kind of have that confidence to slowly and it's not easy it's yeah. not easy because every time you put yourself out there you're taking a chance
0: yeah 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 man yeah. no, i mean it makes sense right and i don't think any of us like to hear news that we created something that wasn't that good so I, I get it i get it but i mean luckily for you at least the first two that i've read have been very good nigel so you i think you've done it my friend i think you've done it Thank you. Yeah. Well let, let's jump real quick into Diary of the Stray Dogs then because that was uh my first read and it was quite enjoyable, man. I mean it I know I messed up uh um her Shiny. name. What's that? Shiny Shani. 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 Yeah. Shiny. Okay, very good. Shiny. Yeah, I know I, I know I screwed that up. I apologize, but man, she no problem, is no she is amazing, man, in this comic. It's incredible.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um it, it's funny, like um so, the Diary of the Stray Dogs book
0: uh-huh.
1: is one of the, it has like a, almost like a, the team behind it is a really international team. Mm-hmm. So, I have uh, the artist is from Spain, Juan Carlos. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's an
1: amazing artist. Oh, he's um, incredible, yeah. He's an amazing artist. He is, there's a lot of things. Okay, so, the way how I met him was on a site called Upwork. Mm. Upwork, right um and every okay so everything to do with my venture into comics is turning a failure into into a success Mm -hmm. so what had happened was the the original guy straight stray dogs when it came back we started to do it but me and the artist got busy and we put Mm -hmm. it on the shelf and said well look we're going to come back to this in a year Mm -hmm. but we didn't have a chance, so then I did another story, and that artist said, like, we're still doing that one, but mm-hmm. that is our name. so then I said, well, I have so much stories in my head, let me see if I can find someone who can just do it, so I went out at work, and I was just, just going through tons and tons and tons and tons of artists, and I saw one guy's piece, just one piece, mm-hmm. and I said, this is it, Yeah. this spoke to me so I actually reached out and said would you be interested in doing it went back and forth he said sure I sent him one page of the script he did the page um I loved it and he said well would the page be in the comic I said sure and we went from there and it was a feeling out and building process and what I love about Juan Carlos is even if I approve a page And I'm happy with it. And he's not. When I come back, he will send me (laughs) something drawn over. Um, Sometimes it's a case, the changes are so slight that I have to actually cycle through the images (laughs) to see if I could just pick up that slight animated move to see what has been changed. Because he's such a perfectionist. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, on that book too, I worked with a guy called um, King Bola from the Mm -hmm. Philippines. He's an amazing self-taught colorist. Uh-huh. And with these guys, or with any team, if you get a team that's in tune with the job, you don't have to micromanage. Yeah, They, they, they kind of see it, and they, they add their own. So, so it's a joy when you send out a script, and when you get that page back, and the interpretation isn't what you had in mind, mm. but it's better.
0: Yeah, and yeah. you send
1: that out to get colored, and the colors that you had in mind when it comes back and it's better, yeah. those things are, you know, those, those things are, that's what that's what kind of keeps you going with terms yeah. of the creation.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yeah. It so, probably um, feels
0: pretty good too, right? To know that that story is being received and they're kind of understanding where you want to go with that story, because yeah. that's really important between an artist, a colorist, and a writer, right? And you know, as a fan of comic books, you could tell when the writer is not on the same page as the artist, and they're almost telling two separate stories. They're kind of related, but they're a little bit different, right? So yeah, yeah,
1: and, a, a very important. And topic. there is a there's a thing where um, I could, as you said, there's certain things I and I can see it, and I look at your book uh, mostly in the books. I you know was saying? yeah. See this page here. The artist wanted to do something, The writer wanted to do something. When he got the page back. He just kept his dialogue the same. He didn't edit it. So I'll give you an instance. of If I write a piece of dialogue and I set up a page, but then the artist comes back with a different page, sometimes it may not just be space because we set up spaces so we know what will happen. But sometimes the mood of what he has has changed. So Mm. I will change the dialogue to suit yeah tone, the person may have a slight smile or maybe internal or change the way how the person speaks because yeah. it all has to kind of match the the tone of what the person is saying, if they're yeah. joking, if they're laughing versus how the person's face is or yeah, yeah, um, and that that book was a real learning experience between us as a team working yeah. together. And also too, there's a lot of things to like give and take i I try not to frustrate an artist. Yeah. So I will let certain things slide. Yeah. But then there's other things too where I will point out and say, well, because you know there's those mistakes or those little things that you can't unsee. Yeah. And and we've come to that kind of we've come to that kind of uh teamwork and that kind of thing. So if I point out and say, Well, you see how that is this way and we're like, yeah, they'll we have to change that. Because one thing which is interesting is that the eyes on the indie world and the comic book world is like Become microscopes. So you yeah. kind of you can't be yeah. perfect. You have to do your best because yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> On page seven, she had yeah. on a red dress, and on yeah. page eight, she's a blue dress. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I do short runs when I print them. That way, I
1: can make the correction for yeah, the yeah, next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of it. That you could do a correction and no one would know.
0: Yeah, no one yeah. hopefully you correct it before people point it out to you. But I've definitely had people say, Hey, it was good, but you made a mistake here. I'm like, damn it, I checked it like a hundred times. I had an editor, everything, and it's still still stuck by everybody. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Very frustrating, but part of the process, right? That's how we grow. That's how we yeah. grow. All right, man. Let's get into this uh, critical ops task force because this is brand new. I don't think anybody really knows outside of your group, that this is a new comic coming out by you, Nigel. Um, and yeah. you're working with uh, a pretty amazing publisher in Wiseacre, um, who yeah. I'm a big fan of, and I have quite a few of their comics. I have almost everything they've produced so far. Um, and then they work with one of my favorite publishers, Godhood Comics, and that's where Frederick got a lot. So, I mean, you're, you're tying in with some really uh, elite comic book yeah. uh, publishers, my friend, which you should because – this uh, Critical Ops was really good, man. High quality thanks,
1: for sure. Thanks, thanks. Um, so that's, a, that's an Italian artist. Uh-huh. That's like a, I believe the colorist is also from Italy. Yeah. Um, and that's that's Frank Mazzola. Yeah. And he worked on a book with a guy called Chris Moses. Oh, yeah. He, I know Chris. Right. He also worked on a book called... Uh, the name is a uh, book of uh, it's a science fiction book. Um, I, the name is right now. But yeah, that's no where I kind of saw his work mm. and I so the way how I kind of pick artists is or how I judge a book yeah. I just don't say well art is good or bad. I kind of judge it on would I use this artist for my project and yeah. if I would. I then deem that is great art. And mm-hmm. It's all about picking the right artist's for the right project
0: yeah,
1: yeah and sometimes we we got this we got to talking we I like, I like to get to know the artists so i don't just jump in say well i got a book this is it you could do this for me we sit down and we talk about what films we like yeah what movie what, what 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 books what comic books personalities them sometimes down to music try mm-hmm. to find something that you could relate to them on a level yeah, especially yeah. when you're dealing with international people yeah. from all because you have to find something that's a, a common bond that's drawing you all together, right? Because you all come from different cultures, sure, you all come from different time, time zones, and everything. So yeah. we kind of talked a bit, and he said, Well, yeah, he would be interested. And I told him, Well, this is what I want to do. He loved the concept and the way how we were doing it. Sometimes you would write, I would write, I wrote the whole thing, gave it to him, tell him, have a look, tell me what you think until he loves it. And what he said, right, uh, there was a page there and he sent back a sketch and he said, well, can we do this like this? And I said, well, will we still get to where we were going? Yes, and that's how I kind of flow. Yeah. If we have to go from point A to point B, if the artist has a better suggestion or yeah. a better way to do it, yeah. once it doesn't change my story, yeah. <laughs> because um yeah I you know I remember I've had an editor say, Well, you didn't write in a f- I I have a, i may have written a book and then there's one page I didn't write the fight scene. And they said that well, you didn't write any fight scene. And I said, Well, because I think as a writer, I'm stifling the creativity of the artist. Mm. If I you know, if I hamstring him, why yeah. because he's the person doing especially if I trust him.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: he knows best. Um, And what was interesting, the artist said he sees himself as the director to my movie. So he's picking those shots and those angles. Yeah. It's all about trust of finding the team that will will work for you and see your vision.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's really important, right? And I also think giving a little bit of that leeway for the artist creates more buy in from that artist, too, right? Because you made an amazing comment earlier about trust. And uh, mm-hmm. if you could give them that ability to kind of come up with the concept on their own, you start to build a lot more of that trust and that back and forth, I think becomes a lot easier too and smoother. And I don't know, I just, I think it works out a lot better um, if you're able to do that, right?
1: Yeah. And the other thing it also does is open it because there are sometimes there is a page that you envision, you want to a certain way. So yeah. what I will do is I still have a slight art background. I would sketch it or I may send a picture reference and then they will tend to accommodate you for that page or they will Mm. kind of see and they would, sometimes they will take your idea and run with it and make it 10 times better. So you still get what you want, but now if they're spinning, everybody just feels uh, involved. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's, I, I, we certainly don't want to give anything away. We have the Kickstarter that we're going to talk about here in a minute. So I don't want to give any of the story away on this. Um, but the character development is pretty awesome. Maybe we could talk a little bit about the importance of character development, how you come up with your characters, um, because, you know, you, you got Douglas, and we won't say too much more, who is by far my favorite in this. I mean, he is a badass, and he's amazing. And he's, he's objective, but there is a little bit of a heart, but he's still very objective. I mean, a lot of things I I dug out of this, man, and I really enjoyed it. So like I said, I don't want to give anything away, but how did you come up with the character development and how do you know how many characters you need as you're writing the story? Like, how does that all come together for you?
1: Okay. So I would write in a story like this Mm -hmm. for both of them. Yeah. It was, is. It's a bit difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, You're juggling a cast of, I think both books have a cast of, well, the second to the, the Wounded has a cast of five also. Yeah. But
0: let's, yeah. Let's, let us
1: let's me go with COTF. So yeah. COTF was supposed to be the original Diary of the Straight dogs, book. Douglas okay. was supposed to be the main character. Mm-hmm. And as I said, the hookups caused me to create the side character, which I fell in love with. Shiny and sort of yeah. <laughs> okay, so Douglas's character. I'll tell you what. What influenced what influenced me with COTF was the movies that I like, which is the high octane action,
0: yeah. science
1: fiction. One of my favorite science fiction movies is uh, Elysium mm. uh, with Matt Damon. So you, yeah, so you get a lot of aesthetic. So it's a different type of futuristic thing. Aside. So also both of them are in the same world. You will see that one book is cyberpunk. A one's a little bit like dirty yeah. kind of thing right for sure and another another movie um because when we did that book we literally kind of said we're doing the raid i don't know if you ever watched the raid uh the raid is a it's a it's an asian movie where these cops go up into a building it's very similar to judge right the last judge right? oh okay right right like yeah asian, yeah where you, you, you funnel people into a building and it's high octane, high action. Yeah. Um, so the, the trick of the characters is to try to make each character different, mm-hmm. have a different role. Sure. Um, when Something that I learned early from mistakes was try to give everybody a different body type and physique so that the silhouettes of the characters can easily be picked up so you don't get mixed up with who did this and who did that, that kind of yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um the character Douglas too, because he's he's a complex character in terms of if you go too far one way, he could become not likable. Yeah. And if you go too far the other way, he then becomes the one of the male character. Yeah. So it has to be kind of a balance there. And what I decided to do was there's a female character in there who mm-hmm so sometimes what you can do you can have two separate characters but when they come together they almost kind of form one character because <laughs> of their sense. dynamic and where they, 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 they bring off of one another so mm-hmm. she's kind of almost like that yeah. conscience, that question that moral compass but then he's also kind of guiding her to the realities of the world so the, the book is kind of dark, is intended yeah. to be dark because of The world is a very dark place. So that's kind of so a lot of my stories, um, both of them you could kinda see that all the they didn't end the way you would have thought. No, not
0: at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. um, But it gives you it leaves you that taste in your mouth for more though for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. So definitely uh, ready
0: for issue twos of those. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So that's a it's a it's a it's a kind of kinda given little pieces of the characters. Yeah. Don't don't not too much, and yeah. not too little. Yeah. And then sometimes you don't have. If I have five characters. Pick one or two or three mm-hmm. that you're gonna develop now. Yeah. Save the other two for another book. Give everybody. Yeah. You know, it's like almost like the if watch episode of Scooby Doo. They kind of peel off, and you got to see <laughs> this body working with this person out there. Yeah. You know? Those, there's a reason behind that because if all five are together all the time, you're not gonna. Every voice yeah. is hearing. Not gonna see anybody standing.
0: That's such a good point. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, Nigel writes, so we have the Critical uh, Task Force. We have the Kickstarter starting. Um, mm-hmm. Man, this is going to be really exciting. Um, how far along are you within the story, right? So obviously we have issue one, which we'll have a Kickstarter for
1: the type of writer you
0: are, how far ahead do you try to stay on top of the story? Because that, that could be very difficult, especially in your situation where you have maybe two or three titles going off at the same time. How are you balancing off of that, all of that, right? Because I, I could see that being a little difficult sometimes too.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I talk to a lot of uh, indie creators mm-hmm. and, I would talk to someone and you will hear them say, I am 15 books deep. I am yeah. this thick. That sounds easy to
0: me, to be honest. I don't think I could ever get to that. But go I, ahead. I, I, honestly, I think that's crazy. That's awesome. But that's just, wow, impressive.
1: No, I, I, The way how I write is a little bit to do with uh, mood. Okay. Um, timing. Sometimes it does get me in trouble because an artist will pop up and say, I am free, and then I'm scrambling to finish a yeah. script that I was sitting on. But I I constantly, when I'm in a mood to write, I write. Yeah. And when I'm not, I don't force it. Yeah. And yeah. I tend to only be, I have a, I don't like to get in the habit of reading too many books.
0: Yeah. yeah. Because
1: it, it can be daunting when you have five books sitting there finished and there's nowhere for you to fund them. Yeah. Get yeah. them done.
0: So mm-hmm. I kind
1: of live by the day. Like I I've I have maybe two scripts ahead of anything. So I I've literally just finished Critical Ops 2. Okay. Send it to the artist. The other said he wants to see it. I mean I said, Well, here's a rough draft. Yeah. Tell me what you think. So you could give me feedback. Because I like the artist to tell me his take, because I mean you don't want you don't want to make it. Too difficult, or have them do something that they they can't draw, or, or you know what I mean. So if a, right. if a guy mm. can't draw horses, it's easier for me to take a horse it's sharp mm-hmm. than to have a dumb-looking horse. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I don't write ahead too much.
0: Yeah, I just yeah. tend
1: to write one book ahead. Yeah, that way too, so I could kind of polish it and fine-tune it. Yeah, and I'm working on sequels to both of those books.
0: Oh, okay, very good. Right. Yeah, so we'll get an issue two then.
1: Now is uh, uh, the Diary two, issue two, the issue two for Diary of the Stray Dogs is actually in the Kickstarter.
0: Oh, it is. Let's make sure that we're mentioning that too. So I will look that up and I will make sure that I uh, jump on that, my friend, because you left me in a bad spot on issue one, man. I got to find out what happens next. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. have a Kickstarter right now. That how far along mm-hmm. is the Kickstarter on Diary of the Stray Dogs? Is it already open and ready to go? No, it's uh,
1: it's been approval. It should be approved in the next couple of days. Okay, perfect. Then we should be pushing to get some signups. Yep. And it will be launching September the fifteenth. Nice. Goes well.
0: September fifteenth on Diary of the Stray Dogs, and um, you'll have an opportunity to go back and purchase issue one two in there as an add on.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Yes. I have that physical
0: copy, my friend. I got to have the physical too. <laughs> yeah. That's exciting, man. Thanks, thanks. That's exciting. Yeah. And then and when do you have a date yet for a critical ops task force yet?
1: Well, it's it's in the same Kickstarter. So, oh, okay. them, so you you'll be able to get you'll be able to get all three of my books. Nice. If you want physically. Um yeah. The of Stray Dogs 2 is 70 pages. 70? Yes, yeah, so 70 wow, pages. Wow,
0: that's a big book. Oh, yeah. That's a graphic um, novel, Nigel. Yeah,
1: uh, Juan Carlos is back again. Um, you have a new colorist, uh, called uh, Miriam Yeser from Egypt, and she did a phenomenal job on it. Um, and it's really happy how everything kind of came out, and that kind of got put into the Kickstarter because it was a book I had finished sitting there, and it just made sense to add more value to the Kickstarter to drop it in rather than sit on a 70 page graphic novel. So
0: that's awesome.
1: You know, um, we get to see more of Shani. You get to see her crew, and she has a mercenary team. Yeah, and hers is different from COTF. Yeah, COTF is more of your Blackwater corporate, uh, for the man kind of corporation (laughs) watchdogs. While Shani's mercenaries are more grassroots yeah duct tape and <laughs> spit kind of mercenaries yeah and, yeah and they're both in the same world but they're sad. The two stories are 10 years apart
0: yeah yeah no that's so cool man um both of them are amazing nice. stories and i'm super happy for you nigel and i'm glad that uh you've uh you've had some success so far man and uh, I know that the Kickstarter will uh, fund. There's no doubt about it, man. No doubt about Thank it. You. We'll pump it as much Thank as we can, man, because it's good Thank stuff. You. I mean, anybody listening to this, I'm telling you, man, these two stories are top notch, um, and you will not be disappointed reading them, man. I had a blast reading them. It was fun. In fact, you get Thank to you. like the last few pages, you realize it's over, and you're like, oh man, that went fast. And that's a good. I think that's a good um, response to a comic book is when it felt like it went fast. Right. you just you get lost in the story you get lost in the characters and in the artwork and the colors and all of a sudden it's over and you're like all right man when, when's number two coming you know and that's the only downside about indie comics is we're all trying to fund everything that we're doing so next month it's not going to be out right whereas you know yeah. on the big two that's how it is so but uh man it's worth the wait it's going to be fun man
1: Thank you. thank yeah, you yeah
0: yeah yeah so what else is going on with you nigel right we have these two projects i assume that you have some other not that you have to share anything, but I assume mm-hmm. you have some other things in the works. Will Will Diary um, of a Stray Dogs, will that be um, published under Wiseacre as well? Or is that self-published and only Critical Ops being under Wiseacre?
1: Well, right now, only Critical Ops is under Wiseacre. Gotcha.
0: yeah.
1: But um, there's nothing stopping after the Kickstarter. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I love working with Wiseacre. Yeah. Um, being very helpful, very supportive. Yeah. Uh, because I am from where I am at my location, Barbados.
0: Yeah.
1: A lot of things that I can't do, a lot of stuff I can't access, even like the yeah. same crowdfunding and that kind of stuff. So, as I said, the indie community is built on support. Um, yeah. People like you guys, if you share, you have a platform, you share stuff. Um, there's some other people. So, it's a try yeah. to get, create this network to help yeah. each other. So, I was very, I'm very grateful for what frederick and yeah. Did.
0: yeah 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 Now they they have uh i think they have a winning model and uh mm-hmm. you know they're already in diamond distribution which means people could go to the local comic book stores and pick up most of their books so my assumption is critical ops will be one of those books that i could go to my local comic book store in the future and say hey Use if two is coming it. out on this month can you please order it for me and that's I mean, that's that's where you want to get as an indie uh, creator, right, mm-hmm. is that your comic book is available for anyone to pick it up anywhere that they're at. And that's really hard to do as an independent, right? That's why you got to do a lot of tr- uh, comic cons and stuff like that. But if you could get in a Diamond or Lunar or any of those other distributors, that that's a game changer right there. And Wiseacre is. So congratulations on that, man.
1: Thanks, congratulations
0: man. on that. Yeah. So, what has the response been um, in Barbados with uh, Diary of the Stray Dogs?
1: Um, I have a, quite a fan base. A lot of yeah, people I bet came you back. Do. <laughs> um, a lot of people. Well, because of being an indie creator and yeah. being doing this for a while, I adopted a new model. So, something you you may you may have realized or you may not. It was if It was done well. Each story is a contained story. So although it leaves you wanting more, you yeah. don't feel cheated because yeah. you did have a full story. Yeah. So so that's my model going forward. Yeah. Try to do a complete story. Uh follow almost like um Mandalorian or how serials were done when I was growing up, where you could come in, uh you could come in and watch any episode of Knight Rider. You yeah, right <laughs> that's true.
0: Yeah,
1: but it still kind of slowly progressed and you still yeah. had progression, right? Sure. So that's what I'm planning. That's my plan.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So what was interesting was there was a lot of people who just jumped straight into book two. Yeah. They, book two was this meteor book they just jumped yeah. straight into book two. So the uh, response has been great.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I've sent out the book to a few people to review, trying to get some buzz on and then See if I can get of what feedback comes back. Um, yeah. So far, from what you're telling me, it should be positive. Um, yes,
0: I think it's gonna be positive, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, super exciting, Nigel. Man, congratulations! Thank now, you, man. Um, do you have a, like a local comic book store um, pretty close to where you live, or do you have to travel a little bit for that?
1: Yeah, we have a yeah we have a local comic book store here called Anime Spot. Nice. And that's where I tend to yeah where I tend to sell my books yeah um, so if you're ever in Barbados just go to the an anime spot
0: nice um
1: but because my island is small not yeah. because like you can get to, so there's not there's not a competition for like many comic book shops it's yeah like one or two kind of thing yeah and then we also kind of either use online yeah Amazon or stuff yeah. like that so Nice. So what I would tend to do, I tend to get trades. I just tend to wait for trades. Yeah because it's just easier than um, because another thing that's different from the American culture, uh-huh. the Caribbean culture and comic books, although we collected comics, we never took we never saw them as uh investment. Yeah. So yeah. I I get a comic book from my gas station or whatever, read it. My cousin says he wants to read it. You yep. give them. Somebody says like we could swap. You just swap, so you just swapping around these taddy comic books, and you just <laughs> put some tape on it or whatever. So it was just to be how it was for us. Yeah, we collected. Yeah. But we never collect. There was n- only years later when we started to read things like Wizard and stuff. You said, well, yeah, there's there's money in this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so like, Should have kept that Spider Man two twenty one right.
1: <laughs> there's a lot of comic books that I had that were destroyed and couple yeah. swept through the door that is valuable today yeah I
0: yeah I know I know it's it's heartbreaking on one side but on another side I, I think uh one of the downfalls of comic books is the you know I think that desire for investment has come in and it's kind of robbed people of the actual story that's taking place within the comic book so although I, I do collect quite a few comics I'll be honest I don't collect, very many marvel and dc i mean i love dc dc is my favorite Mm -hmm. universe i could tell that you grew up with marvel so marvel is probably your favorite universe right i just grew up with justice league and all that stuff so i love it but i have everything i love marvel too don't get me wrong um but i i really you know over the last 10 years some of the stories have not been that great for me Mm -hmm. and they're kind of getting away from what made those two companies so great And I've found that in indie comics. So if you were to go through my collection, probably 60% are just small independent comic creators. And I have, there's more passion for me in that too. Because one, like you said, the community is there. It's really hard to have that community with DC and Marvel, right? I mean, those those people are trying to get into Hollywood and write for movies and more power to them. I mean, that's, that's not a negative. It's just, it's a different feel and a different world. Whereas indie, there's more of a passion for true comic books and putting out amazing stories. And like you said, there's also this desire to help one another out because the strength of that community is how we could all be successful. I don't know too many independent creators that have gotten rich off of creating comic books. It's mainly a passion project where you have a passion for a story and you want to get it out. And indie comics is that platform that's allowing you to tell that story. So I love the simplicity and the purity of that. Um, and I hope it stays um, um, to a certain extent that way because I love that aspect of it. Um, and I get to meet people like you and um, you know Frederick and Tyler at Godhood Comics and so on and so forth. If it was the other way around, I would have never met any of you, and I'd just be in a comic book store, buying it, reading it, putting it in a nice sheet, and then hoping I get rich off of it one day, which there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not shooting shots at anybody. If that's what you do, that's your thing. No problem. But I love the simplicity of just being lost in a story for yeah. 15 there's or nothing, 20 minutes.
1: There's nothing like backing an indie Kickstarter. Yes. Getting the book, yeah, and then being able to reach out to the creator and say, I love this book, or could you explain to me what happened on page such and such? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got this discourse, this you know what I mean? That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, just, you can't do that with everything. You know? that's, yeah. that's, the beauty of it.
0: that's the beauty of it. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, all the, I mean, I go to a few cons and I get to meet, I usually spend most of my time in the creator section where you have the small independents and I get to interview them. And, uh, you know, speak with them and then I invite them to the podcast and you just meet some amazing people with incredible backgrounds. And, uh, I mean, who would have thought there would be this creator in Barbados putting out such amazing stories. Um, I would have never known my friend, unless, uh, you reached out to me and then Frederick reached out and he goes, Hey, have you talked to Nigel? It's like, yeah, we're talking to him. He goes, okay, cool. So yeah, (laughs) it's it's amazing, man. Uh, It wouldn't happen any other way. Yeah. 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 Well, Nigel, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on um, September 15th. You could count on me to be that voice for you to let everyone know it's ready and that they need to get in there. They will not be disappointed. I, I My recommendation, I put my name on it, get out there and get these comics, man. But uh, I'm super uh, happy for you. Um, congratulations on your success. And uh, I hope that uh, you have an amazing Kickstarter. And I can't wait to get into some of these other issues that you're already working on, my friend.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nigel, have a, a fantastic week. If you need anything, my friend, please reach out. And uh, we got you. We got you.
1: Okay, man. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. Nigel, have a great
1: week. Okay, thank you.
0: Talk soon.